He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Figo. And then Ronaldo! Here comes Eddie. Not got much help. Oh, he doesn't need any help. How about that? Portugal. And tonight they've been simply magnificent. Champions of Europe 2016. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Portuguese Football Show. I'm Adam Barton and as always I'm joined by my co-host Philippe. Philippe, how's it going? I'm good, mate. Happy to, to go back and talking about football. Yes, as always. Our last episode was the mid-season review, so it's only right that this is now in the second half of the season. We haven't had too much football recently. The football that has been played, we've sort of missed the deadline uh, to speak about. But the most recent action has came in the League Cup, or the Tassa de Liga, as it's known. Or the Allianz Cup, as it's now known, the Allianz Final Four. They keep coming up with these these fancy names to hopefully make it more... Uh, attractive just before we go into that the news about potentially moving the Tassa de Liga abroad for the final four after the 2023 season I think it was of the 2024 my personal opinion on it straight away is before you try and sell a product abroad let's try and get a few more seats sold in Portugal I think because the attendances for the Tassa de Liga games are pretty bad to be fair it's quite a bit unpopular because the uh, general idea is that we don't as fans want that to happen yeah to be fair i would like if to try it out but not take it to qatar because there's no connection to portuguese football but take it to places where portuguese is the language and and uh, a history connection with them so either brazil or uh, mozambique angola some something where is some some kind of connection with the clubs where people still go to the stadium because there is that connection. I think it would be there'll be a, a quite good idea to then attract more people to watch from those countries as well. Um, the league, uh, I, th- I think, to try out one or two seasons, I, I I would not be too against it to be honest. That's not a bad idea to be honest. I like that more than because obviously the preliminary plans. I mean, they're not even plans. They're literally just whispers of this might be what happens. A lot of our readership, a lot of our followers of of the say sixteen, seventeen thousand, whatever we're on at the moment on social media. I wonder how many come from Canada and America because yeah. there's so many. I can name you know, there's three or four Benfica channels alone. Adrian from Rabona TV. I think he's from Canada. Then. There's a couple of the lads who are on the Sporting 160 channel who are from Canada or America. There's lots and lots and lots. Danny Pinto, who runs the Sell Us Out podcast, I think putting the finals or putting the semi-final, if you're going to sort of try and globalise it and put it anywhere, as you say, Philippe, put it somewhere where Portuguese football actually matters. Yeah, and so put the, it in to be these... fair, it's not a completely new idea because in the 90s, no. um, it used to be the, the Super Cup used to be in two legs. Yeah, no, no, as it is now, and they used to always go to France and play it in France because obviously there was there's a big Portuguese community in France as yeah. well, and they France, could go to yeah. Switzerland as well because there's a lot of uh, in numbers. So something where the stadium will be full, it might be yeah. help out in terms of revenue for the for the sponsors. So I think it would be a win win for for a lot of people because we are playing in Portugal and. To beat the seats today, uh, the games yet yeah, the Benfica against uh, Boavista or the the Sporting against Santa Clara, 
there was I don't know maybe a quarter of of the seats taken, and so I don't see why not to try to go somewhere else. In the task of the league itself, Sporting played against Santa Clara and won the game two one and proceeded to the final where they will meet. Lisbon rivals, Benfica, will have a, a Lisboa derby, a classical for the final. They beat Bovista on penalties with uh, Julian Weigel scoring the winning penalty following a 1-1 draw there. The, tonight's game, Sporting actually fell behind. Uh, they went down to a Lincoln free kick, a very clever free kick. Antonio Adan, you were saying off air before, maybe could have done a little bit better with that one, Philippe. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for... Uh, everyone knows how good Lincoln it is with set pieces. For free kick from that far out to only put two people in, in on the wall because he have a third one, he gives you a better angle. He might be it, Lincoln would have for short bend the ball a bit long more. If you bend more, if you ever play football, more bend equals less power. So it would give <laughs> naturally Adam more time to to reach the ball. So good free kick, but I would say that's more of other mistake than. Then, then uh, just been an amazing free kick. To be fair, and he felt very, very sloppy. And then Sporting equalised not long after. Uh, for well, it wasn't actually Sporting who equalised. It, <laughs> it was Santa Clara themselves. I think it was uh, Villanueva scored a, an own goal. You can see what he's trying to do. So frustrating to watch her for him in slow motion when you see that angle behind the goal because you can see he's clearly trying to put his laces through it and, and punt it towards like the corner flag. He's ended why up traveling it. Why would you try to go I, with the laces? It's just, like, it's, I it don't put, understand what was thinking that moment. He needs to go of, with inside in, in and step, put it step, out. Yeah. But he's tried to clout <laughs> it basically out the stadium <laughs> and the bouncer sort of, he's ended up Outside the booth, Ricardo Charisma style Trivella <laughs> straight into the back of the net uh, to make it 1 1. And then, very contentious decision. I saw it on social media, people would split with this. T- to be honest, straight away, I actually I didn't, before I saw the handball, I thought it was to do with the boot. And then when I watched the replay, I thought, oh, you've sort of got two things in there. <laughs> well, you know, what are you, what are you blowing up for? Uh, so, Hui Costa, he was giving his marching orders. Uh, I thought 100% a penalty. Don't see anything wrong with the penalty. He's given a straight red card and then the game is sort of, well, that's it then. Santa Clara tried at times in vain to launch counter-attacks. Still wasn't the the biggest of winner margins for, for Amarim's men. I'm sure he'd like to have got a goal or two more, maybe just to ease it uh, and avoid the going to penalties. But they got it over the line. Philippe, I'm going to bring to you. This is our version of um, Juiz Final. This is this is our this is the the final verdict, the the final judge. You think it's a stonewall red card? Give me your opinion on the decision. Well, this this absolutely red card because there's no there's no valid attention to play the ball there because if he doesn't go with his arm, it's a goal, and so the the rule of the triple. Um, penalty doesn't doesn't work in this case because there's no proper intents of playing the ball in a normal way because obviously he's going to go and save it like uh, Luis Suarez style against Ghana <laughs> in the World Cup. So <laughs> it's it's like that for means- me there's no question and to be honest as soon as the first replay shows I thought they were gonna they're gonna give the pen. Um, but about the about the game there's a few things um, that I think now Ruben Mourinho knows for sure and we know for sure as well first one is Virginia going back to Everton and not going to stay 
because I think it's very clear they obviously play Adam today and normally would go for the second keeper. So if, if Adam was on, I don't think it because he, he doesn't believe that Virgin is a is an option to in the future. Another one is that um I think Ruben Ruben Vinagre is not gonna stay either because in a situation where even when he come on, he's, he's, he feels like so far away from, from the play that was in the first couple of games of the season, I think. Maybe the Ajax game really made him doubts, and but he, he looks a lot worse than when he first showed up at Sporting. And then it's the, the, the substitutions he made during the game. I think it was obviously he wanted to rest Palinha and Mateus Nunes Alfalfa, so I think they're both going to start against Benfica. Um, and in the game, it is it is something that I'm quite curious about to know your opinion. Obviously, Sporting is in this weird moment where they lost against Santa Clara for the league. Then they won against Vizela. Then they lost against, obviously, last weekend against Braga. And now they won against, against Santa Clara. But it's, it's, it's interesting because I think, and I think Ruben and Marie spoke about it as well, that Sporting are playing a lot better than what they were doing last season around the same time but they're not able to control the games as well. So it doesn't feel like, if you think you go back to a podcast last year, would it be, it gets to a certain moment where they think, okay, we don't need the ball anymore. We're just going to stay as we are because defensively we are so strong. And now it doesn't feel that any player really believes they are able to. They feel very nervous. So if you yeah. think against Santa Clara, the whole team underperformed, but to be fair, they both... They were winning 1-0 and then they were winning 2-1. So not in normal situations, Sporting would be able to keep it tight. But then we had a terrible game from Jigayu in that day. And then against Braga, in my view, one of the best first halves from the season for, for Sporting. They go ahead, get very nervous after the penalty. And then it was Gonçalinasio having a, a nightmare of, of a game. And those type of things were not happening last season. Um, mm -hmm. And then... In that game, just to touch a bit on that Braga game, because I think it will be probably the decisive factor for, for Porto winning the league. <laughs> um, it, it was, it is, it is weird because it was something that I we mentioned last year as well. That I think probably the area where Amorim needs to improve the most is his substitutions. And then against yeah. against Braga, it doesn't make sense. Why Braganza didn't play? I know he's injury now, but he was supposed to start. So I, I believe that the time he was not injured, he was in the bench and he, and he was warming up on the side. But in a game where Sporting clearly need to have the ball and, and calm down and calm with the ball, they were never able to. They were always trying to play in the space, get everything sorted very, very quickly. No patience on the ball in the second half. And that really kills, kills their hopes, to be fair. This sort of anxiety that's creeping in about... If we get a couple of goals or we go a goal up, are we able to, are we as defensively sound, you know, in terms of game management? Because we, it was only a couple of weeks ago we were speaking about this, the fact that even though they had maybe a couple of scares, they've managed to sort of get through a difficult period, especially in the Champions League. But in the Premier League, clean sheets, they were, you know, showing confidence. You've only got to look. We were saying like, oh, wow, they've only conceded eight or nine goals or whatever it was in the, in the league at the time. And then the fact they were concentrated over, like, say, three games or four games. The rest of the season, it was it was fine. But then you look recently, as you say, conceded, well, conceded one tonight, conceded two against Braga, uh, conceded three against Santa Clara before that. The win before that was Porto Menens, conceded two there. 
and conceded in the cup to Casabier. Obviously, it's a, a, you know a, a different side, but um, and then you sort of then arriving at that uh, that 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 point when the Champions League campaign is still on. So I don't want to go as as back as far as that. But as you say, those sort of moments that Gonzalo Inacio performance against Braga. Maybe this little bit of uncertainty in terms of the wing backs. You've got players coming in and then going out. Pedro Porro's injured, which is you know a big blow. You mentioned tonight someone like Ruben Vanagre coming on and just looking completely off the pace of the game. You've got a second goalkeeper for cup competitions that you now seemingly don't trust and is going to go back to his parent club where he will also play zero minutes. Um, so yeah, d- defensively, uh, I-, I know. The players that are playing, the likes of Ricardo Wiscayo, not sort of winning over many people at the moment um, with his performances. So last season we were saying it was it was a real constant. It was a you had absolutely monster performances from you know Fidal, Quartas, uh, Inacio, and then you full the the fullbacks, the wingbacks were really constant in that it was Pojo and, and, and Nuno Mendes. That's changed this season, and Sporting have had to adapt. For me, the the biggest thing is, and and if you look, let's say for example, Coates, Coates this season doesn't look as comfortable last season because, mm-hmm. in my view, and that's why it's it's funny because I think obviously that's what Amuri wants, and I think he makes Sporting's game more enjoyable, which is the high pressing. Yeah. Sp- yeah. Last year, Sporting was not doing this. Sporting would drop off. And if they, if the opponent team, no matter who they were, had to have the ball for five minutes straight, for Sporting was okay with that. And then they would, and Coates looked like um, a beast because they were defending everything that was coming in front of him. So it, it could clear everything. Now, because Sporting is trying to press a lot higher, and you see in the positions of Sarabia, Pedro Gonçalves, Paulinho, even the Mateus Nunes when he plays being the centre mid that tries to go and press the opposite centre mid that picks up the ball, because they are so high, then it creates a doubt on, on Coates, and then you could see clearly in the second half against Braga, where Abel Ruiz, which is less, way less stronger than Coates, was having time to receive and turn and play, because Coates doesn't want to get too tight of him, because he's afraid of the space that leaves behind him. So that shift in how they see the game and they play the game, it's in one way better because he's more attractive and, and you see better, like today, the first half and in Braga, the first half, how many times we're able to recover the ball high on the pitch. But then the second halves are not being as good because the team is not able to keep that level so high all the time. And then there's a moment where the team breaks, which is the back five wants to stay and know and do what they know it works because it worked last season. And then the front three are trying, okay, but this is the new idea, so we're going to try to press high. So the full, the wing backs need to go high as well. And sometimes in, against Praga, it was so easy to see. And even in some moments today, even playing against 10 men, which is, is a, the team is broken now because there's, there's two ideas happening at the same time. And until they sort that out and say, okay, this is the idea until this moment and maybe... Last 20 minutes, if we're winning, we're happy to drop again. Until that happens, it might be <coughs> sorry that the games keep getting broken and so more goals. Yeah, I think if you look at the heat maps from last season and this season, or just look at this, look at the players' average positions, so not just Sebastian Quartes, but 
Sporting as a whole, the wing backs, the midfielders, the defenders, well, the defenders especially, and look at the position in terms of trying to get close to the ball and trying to win the ball back high up the pitch, as you say. Attractive. People like that. They like that aggression. They like that tenacity. And they also like the fact that you're in control of the ball. You're the one who's dictating play. You're not letting the opposition have the ball for three, four minutes and sort of waiting for a mistake, which is what happened you know, quite a lot last season. I think the last couple of weeks will be something that Sporting have got to learn from, the fact that they're now not in control of the Liga. We've got both uh, Benfica and Sporting in the in the, in the the final. Again, to be honest, even with the Benfica performance, I know we haven't really touched on it, but if you listen to the podcast every week, you pretty much know exactly what we're going to say about Benfica's <laughs> performance because it seems to be the same thing every time, is that they have these periods... I mean, yesterday, I think they had nearly 70% of the possession. They conceded 19 shots to Bovista. I think they had eight, seven or eight uh, themselves. They were, statistically, they were completely outplayed. The, Bovista were the team who looked like they were more likely to score. Yet Benfica were the, were the players, uh, were, were the team who had the ball more. Um Bovista players at the end, you you know, people talk about the importance of this trophy, or people talk about the importance of of yeah, domestic cup competitions and how it may be waning as it's as we're moving into the future. But I mean, you could see the look on the faces of the Bovista players. Some of them were coming off the pitch crying. They, you know, they gave gave a you know a good account of themselves, and um, obviously it, it went to be, but. Again, it was another game where Benfica opened up the scoring, and you were thinking, could uh, could be could be a good night this for for the, for the Benfica supporters. What Benfica are you going to get in the final? Uh, I, I'm not too sure. Will it be this? Um, well, you probably see both sides of Benfica in this game. This Jekyll and Hyde. I think for yeah, Benfica, we're going to have um, a team sim. Similar to the one that played against Porto for, for the league um, on the first game of Rism in charge. Because I don't think they will try to have the ball. I think they will be happy that Sporting has the ball. Um, it's probably going to go back into to a midfield three. It's It's been quite hard to, to know exactly because against Aroca, he, he played in a, in a 4-4-2, then he changes into a 4-3-3, then... Today against or yesterday against Bovista, there's there's the opposite. I still is trying to figure out what's the best way to play. Um, I thought as in like the first game against against Porto that Gonçalo Ramos would play a more important role. I think he would be the striker that would always play next to to Yarmouchuk or or Darwin because is that player that can play either as a ten or, or a second striker because he connects well between the centre mids and, and the front. So. It's 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 curious because I think he's winning a few things for some players, but for instance, the player that I thought was being the most important one since Verissim is in charge because he's no longer playing in the middle, which was Rafa. He's losing Rafa. Well, now he gets COVID anyway, so he's not going to play. But even on his importance in, in the in in the game, he's, he's so different. The guy that was doing thirteen assists in 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 half of a season in the last few games, he's not being so so determinant because he now plays next to a wing for right hand side, trying to to be more normal winger. Which, to be fair, for the way he was playing in a three four three, where he was one of those players inside playing be, behind the front two or as a front three. Where he could receive the ball, turn it, and and go at centre backs. So Pedro Gonçalves, yeah, you're losing, you're losing a bit of of half on that. So, 
will be quite interesting to see how is it going to plan out for Sporting. I think they're going to keep the same thing. And yeah, don't. It's not like a criticism of what I was saying before about is it they lost looked like they lost between two ideas because that's normal to happen. No one in any team in the world can change how a team plays in in a space of few months. Even if you think Guardiola, the first season at City, he started really well, but they had periods where he was just lost, like in 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 what he we could do. We beat them four nil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ever, even Everton won <laughs> against them, like Tom Davis school. Um, yeah. So, so anything can happen. Uh, so that's normal. How like a team takes to adjust to a new idea and a new way of playing, and and that part. So I don't agree. There's I, I read quite a lot of the of the Portuguese newspapers where they say, "Oh, Amorim is." This season he's been struggling because he doesn't want to change how he plays. And I think it's the opposite. He's struggling more than what he would do because he's trying to change. So And he has to keep evolving. So it's not a criticism on what he's doing. It's just a fact that this is damaging the team at the moment and we'll have to go through to, to go past on the other side. So question for you now to make it a bit more light. Um, this final against Benfica. Sporting against Benfica is the second time they face each other in the in the League Cup final. Do you remember when was the first one and who won? So the play they've only played each other once before. In the final, yes. <sighs> well, to be fair, recent it's only a young competition. It hasn't been since f- for at least the last five, six, seven, eight years. It must have been. 2009, 2008, 2009, something like that. Good, yes. Know. Yeah, yeah. Well what, what what year was it? I've just give you two, so I can't take credit for that. <laughs> what year was it? It's, it's, it's uh, seven, eight. So first edition, the final was Sporting against Stubal, where Stubal won in the penalties. Carvalhal oh, won it. Ah. A very uh, controversial penalty. Uh, to give the Benfica the, the the draw to take it to penalties and then and then Benfica wins it. Some people might remember there was a, a right back named Pedro Silva for Sporting, and he touches the ball with the chest and the referee says, "Okay, play on." And then the the one of the second referees, one of the liners on the far end side of the pitch on the other side says, "Oh, it was a <laughs> hand, right. was a, a hand." Ball. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> so yeah, it was was um, a fun one. Very. Uh, comical images ever, which is Paul Bent at the time, sporting manager, looking at the referee and making the sign with the hand that's been robbed. <laughs> Clearly, as they <laughs> like being robbed, unbelievable <laughs> scenes, crazy scenes. Jonathan Twenty will kick off this weekend, so lots of games to look out for there at the top uh, in the title race and the race for European places, and also at the bottom, a team that I just want to speak about. As we move on to our transfer talk, Philippe is a team that we've spoken about quite a bit on the show this season in terms of what they're doing uh, and the fact that they're punching above their weight. They've dropped down to eighth uh, since I think they were seventh maybe the last time we spoke, and that's uh, Porto Manense. They've won seven games this season from 19. Uh, they've lost eight, so they've lost significantly more than the teams around them, but they don't tend to draw many games. Uh, so the majority of their points they do pick up from from picking up wins. Um, they've won more than Estrelu above them. Um, they've won just one less than Gil Vicente, and they've won the same amount as Vittoria. They've had some departures that will have hit them quite hard this uh, in this window. The latest being uh, Fali Kande, who's joined... Uh, Mets is the pronunciation, is it, Philippe? Yeah, Mets. 
Philippe, I can't wait for you to pronounce who uh, Abdu Kant from uh, Morinens has moved to, but we'll come to that in a sec. So Philippe is currently learning French and goes to French class after work. And before we came on, we were speaking about some of the transfers and lots of transfers in and out from French clubs. And my pronunciation of some of the clubs, he was uh, not impressed not with Not impressed at all. at all. No, no. But uh, I did make you laugh with one of them, but I don't think we can say it on here. Um <laughs> So, Falicande has joined Mets. He is the Porto Menendez's leading assister this season with two. Uh, so, not very significant numbers, but for a team that's only scored 19 goals in 19 games, it's to be expected. You're not going to have players who are on six, seven, eight assists. Uh, and then they've also sold Elton Baumort, who is the club's top scorer with three. Uh, so, they've lost their top assister, they've lost their top scorer. Who's moved? He's moved to uh, a Khan in the United Arab Emirates uh, to play there. So the latest in a long line of players who are moving towards that side of the world from Portugal. Uh, we're seeing it more and more. And for them, Philippe, how big of a blow do you think this is to the season losing two players as as influential? It's it's massive. Um, yeah, I don't think they'll be able to cope with it very well. Um, it's obviously a Portimonense is this type of, of club that um, brings players for free on a low and then tries to sell them as, as high as they can to, to make money and it's been working for them obviously with, with Bet being the one of the biggest cases but Nakajima as well at the time when he first left for, for Porto um, they have obviously with Ailton Beaumont it's hard but they have a player that I was hoping a there would be a breakout season for him that so far is not working at all. But I hope now, obviously, you have a bit more chance to play, which was Abraham Marcos. That came from Feirense. And to be honest, the season he did last year in Segunda Liga was was very, very good. So I was thinking in the Premier League would have some, some minutes. So far, he only played, I think, less than 90 minutes divided in three games. So maybe there's a chance, obviously, for other players to, to step up. Um, but but yes, I don't think they will. If if the idea was to fight for Europe, I don't think no longer that's the idea because you cannot sell two of your best players and then still ask Paul Sergio to to keep the team performing at the same level. So there'll be a drop off. Um, obviously they are very comfortable in the league, so even if they go into a to a bad period, they'll still be fine. But I don't think yeah. they'll be able to to fight for Europe. To be honest, and especially they still even talks about Samuel Portugal leaving, and if that's the case, then. Obviously, that's clearly massive. Yeah, massive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we were speaking a little bit off air about because the Falicande move was was undisclosed, but I've just had a little look there. Uh, Lee Keeper saying it's for a fee of around two and a half million euros, um, and also he's got a four and a half year deal at Mets. But if he does move on, Porto Menente have got fifteen percent of any future sale. Uh, so even if you know, if he does kick on, I mean, he's what twenty four now. Um, if he does manage to to get another move, whatever the price may be, at least Portman into getting a little bit of a fifteen percent cut of that as well. And to be fair, for a club like Portimonense, is is a good fee. Uh, yeah. If you think yeah. that Chiquinho went to to Wolves for three and a half, uh, two yeah. and a half for for Candace, is 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 a, is a good is a good money. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Play, at least uh, is a club there. Like we we know what to expect. They know like what's the idea. They have a plan. It's not like if you think a club like Family Can where it feels like it's changing very often. 
Uh, Every day. But Portimonense <laughs> has an idea. We're going to try to bring these players on a, on a free and then trying to sell them when they are high on the market. Yeah. And so far it's yeah. been working for them. So, And all, all, all the while doing that whilst maintaining Premier League's security, maintaining that the club are actually, you know, like this season, because they've still, as you say, they've still been selling, but Paulo Sergio has been able to, with the tools that he's got, actually try and fight for something and go for something, which is, you know, giving something to the fans as well. So they've been able to to do both, maintain both. As you say, for this season, they're pretty much guaranteed the Premier League is safe. 16 points, Moren ends are on, and Portman ends are on 25. So nine points above, but yeah, they're fine. As you say, they may not, be able to challenge for Europe with the likes of Estrell, Vittoria, maybe start picking up pace towards the end of the season. Gilles Vicente having a good season, a very good season, in fact. And then, obviously, Braga, Benfica, Sporting and Porto. So that might just be just out of touch. But a player that we just touched on there, Chiquinho's moved to Wolves. I managed to watch him in action for Wolves for the first time. Uh, yesterday or the day before, he was playing for Wolves under 23 side uh, in a 2-1 win, I think was the final Shem Campbell scored twice. But Shikinia was very good. Very um basically everything that we we spoke when we've spoken about him before. Everything that we said in our 22 players to look out for in the Premier League and in 2022 article on Patreon. Uh, by the time we got the number one to ten uploaded, Shikinio had actually already left, but we decided <laughs> to leave him in there at number ten because uh, hopefully, well, not hopefully, but over the course of the the season and in the summer, and you know, next the next window, you you should probably start seeing some of these players drop off and move to other leagues, and and you know that that's the end of the day for some of those players. That's that's the aim of the game is to be playing at the highest level possible, with all due respect. And he's now at Wolves. He's at a club who are heading in the right direction so much. They're, they're just heading, they seem to be doing everything right when they went through a little period of things were backfiring, especially to do all, towards the end of, of Nuno Espirito Santo's tenure there. Bruno Lars has got them playing some good football. He, as I say, Shaquinho was playing in the under-23s, got on the ball a lot. Maybe his final decision let him down in a couple of instances, but that, again, it's to be expected with his age. He's just moved. So Chiquinho, another one who wasn't picked up by the big three in Portugal. It's something that steadily seeing more and more over time. Uh, question marks about some of these players who the fans seem to want the clubs to go for, but the big three haven't really touched. But one player that didn't manage to get away from one of the big three clubs was Stefano Stacchio, who's finally put pen to paper on a deal with a big three club. Uh, moving to FC Porto, initially on loan. He's a player that we spoke about quite a lot last season, Philippe, especially when we spoke to to our friend Pedro, who's now at Vitoria with, uh, with Pepe, about his importance. We spoke about him and, and Bruno Costa at the time and how Stachio was sort of Pasos's talisman last season. So many options in midfield. Obviously, we've got to account for Sergio Oliveira leaving, but with so many midfield options, you see Stachio as a... As a move, Porto desperately had to make. Um, with Sergio Oliveira leaving, yes. Um, if I think he's gonna he's gonna start many games, not really, because I think Uribe and Vitinha now are, are set in stone <laughs> because how good they are. Uh, but I think they needed they needed players. 
there will be that period of time where if Porto goes far in the in the Europa League, they're going to play a lot of games, uh, more games than what Sporting and Benfica will play in the Champions League. Um, so they'll need they'll need options in, in the midfield. So I think it's a good play. I think it's a play that fits quite well the idea of of Conceição. I think he's the type of player that is able on very good on a ball, as we know, but without a ball, he's able to do a very good job. We could see last season with Bruno Costa and Luis Carlos in the in the center mid of, of pass, how good his pressing was, how good it was without the ball, his 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 teamwork was was above average. So I think it fits him quite well. I th- I don't think we'll be a one to come in and start and, and keep playing all the time. But if I'm pretty sure he's gonna stay for, for next season as well. So it's it's I, it makes sense in the idea that Porto has for for their team. So it's it's a good one uh, to be fair. It doesn't make much sense if you are past Ferreira. I don't think they have no one to replace him at the moment. I thought that all the talk would be him going one way and Bruno Costa going the opposite way. That apparently didn't happen. So I just see the pass becoming a bit uh, weaker. And they are in a, in, mm-hmm. a, in a not a comfortable position at all. So no. let's see if that not be the type of thing they will might regret in the future. But but yeah, for for Porto a great deal. What do we make of Marco Gruitch? What do we make of this seemingly untenable position that he's got within the squad? Because this season has I haven't got his numbers to hand. He has started maybe two three games in the Premier League. He was playing a little bit more consistently in the Champions League, funnily enough, than I think he started more games in the Champions League than he has in the Liga. Uh, and another sort of midfielder, and then as you say, uh, Vitinha, Bruno Costa, Stefano Stachio. Um, and then if you're classing sort of those 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 more attacking midfielders, Fabio Vieira, Otavio, um, and then obviously Oribe in, in, in central midfield as well. So, well-stocked in that position, but the, at the time, the Gruwitz deal felt strange. I think it's around ten million that they pay for him. I, I I I don't know. I think this this deal is obviously he's not the same player as Stachio. I'm not suggesting that, but I mean just in terms of another midfield option, someone who's already not getting much game time. Do you see Gruwitz playing maybe a big part in the Europa League as he did in the Champions League? Yeah, I have two questions for you. That um, one thing is what is. I think Conceição is, is is understanding now that he's not the player they thought he would become. Because I think when he came in, everyone thought they were going to be a six and a replacement for Uribe. But now with more games, and especially that's why he plays more in the Champions League, he's, he's not a six, he's an eight. He's an eight that's a very competent defensively and able to, to drive the ball forward. In Portugal, eight like that in a team like Porto doesn't work, so he doesn't play. In Europe, because they'll have yeah. more space, that's why he plays. So that's one thing, yeah. in my view, that's why he doesn't play so often. Second, obviously the ties they have with, with Liverpool are important. So I think, obviously, Luis Diaz eventually will go to them for maybe a fee higher than what he would go if he goes to another club in England because Gruic will be almost for free. Do you know what I mean? If he was worth thinking, if Tottenham think Luis Diaz is worth 45, let's put that number, it's very <laughs> low, but okay. That was what they, they talk about. If in the summer, Luis Diaz goes to Liverpool for 60, which is 15 million yeah. more than what another club valuing him at, there's money there. Do you know what I mean? It's more like, uh, okay, you give it, you take us now off the books, but then when we go to you, we'll buy him, buy Luis Diaz, we'll give you a bit extra to keep you. So I yeah. think that was more the idea than 
actually Porto looking at him and thinking this player values 10 million now it, I it, need yeah, to have him on my 10, team million. because a 10 yeah. 11 million player in Portugal would have to play all the time yeah 100% that, that's that's the thing I was trying to get at because some people I mean people who listen it's hard to sort of differentiate if you're not immersed in the leagues but if you're listening to this and you're 11 yeah, I mean in, in the Premier League you could spend 11 million on a player and the player might never play for you and at the end of the day you just sort of write it off as you know it didn't really work if you spend 10 11 million euro on a player that player has to has to play or they have to have a role within the team that sees them come in most weeks playing across all competitions or most competitions but that's not been the case we had a star arrive in Primera Liga a star that I'm very familiar with a player who to be honest I didn't know was still playing football Kevin Morales who played for Everton uh, for for all of those years the former Belgian international whose last appearance for Belgium was maybe five years ago uh, has joined Morenense uh, in in what is the the most football manager when you've got no budget transfer you'd ever see <laughs> when you filter without club uh, or you approach to sign someone at the end of their contract uh, but he's in Portugal Morales is a player who on his day was electric. That was a long time ago. Whatever he brings to Morenense, I'm sure Sarpinto sees something in him and he saw, he saw something when they were working together and he thinks, okay, this, this might not be someone who comes in and plays all of the games all of the time, but if it's someone with technical quality, which he's got, which Morales has, has always had, to come in and, and help out and, you know, I, I, I can't wait to, to see him on the field, I'll be honest. I can't wait for him to make his debut. I don't know how long it'll take for him to get up to speed. Has he been doing any training? I, I don't know. He's he's been without a club. For I don't know how long he's been now. without a Yeah, so I don't know how long it'll take for him to adjust. Um but yeah, very fond memories of him when he was when he was at Everton. Your yeah. last if game work, was on the eighth of May. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was like Jesus Christ, we're nearly in February 2022 it now. It just feels like, like wow. a guy that went on holidays and they're like, Do you know what? Yeah. I, I fancy a bit of a bit of Portugal. A bit of, yeah, I, the Portuguese sun. What I'll do, I'll go, you know, I'll miss out the all October, the, November, I'll December. I'll miss out all I'll, the clubs next to the scene. I'll go to my Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a, a, very, uh, a very fun move to keep an eye out on. And then Abdu Kant has also moved to who's he moved to, Philippe? Trois. Wow. See, I don't know whether this is just how are you gonna maybe... call them? Trois? How did you say? Uh... <laughs> right. You're offending a, a full city. For anyone that's listening, right? Who because they might not know what club we're on about, because I don't think a lot of people in Liverpool or in England will understand the team you've just said because it just doesn't look like that. So the team I'm referring to, the team which is spelled T-R-O-Y-E-S, okay? If you were to pronounce that word as it's written, it would be Troyes, right? As in Troy, as in the hero Troy with an S on the end. But Philippe has told me that it's not Troyes, it's Troyes. Which to me 
is the number three in French, so I don't understand. And he said they sound similar. And toi also sounds like a word in English, um, which I won't say. Well, I kind of <laughs> have to say, say it. You've it twice. Yeah. <laughs> toi? Toi? Is the my French accent not, not too good? So I do apologise. But yeah, Abdul Kant has moved for 2.43 million. Philippe, quick question for you. If he's moved for 2.43 million, where does that put him on Modern Enter's list of all-time record uh, transfer fees received? Ooh, good question. Do you know the answer or are you asking me? Yeah, you know the answer. I can see in your face that you know the answer. Um, I would go with ooh, uh, third. He's fourth. Can you name... Give me, give me two of the top three. Were they recent? Yes, two of them. Two of them within were, were within the last five years. The other one was in twenty thirteen. Uh, I'm trying to think. <laughs> Are we counting one... flip swat? <laughs> no, 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 no. One of them has the same name as a player we've spoken about on today's podcast. Oh, the same name. Yeah. Oof. He moved to Benfica in 2019, 20 season. 19, 20 season. To Benfica. It was Chiquinho. Oh. Chiquinho. Of course. He moved I th- nearly 5 million, 4.75 million. And I know the, one of the other top three must be him. He was um, the striker. They're both... The, the, the two other players are both strikers, oh, so but you're this, right. But this one went to 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 Qatar or Arabia or something like that. Um, no, I know you're on about you're on about Fabio Abreu. Yeah, no, oh. he's like no, he's sixth or seventh, I think. Yeah, he's sixth. Oh, Philippe, here's another fun fact for you. <laughs> There's a there's a player with your name in the top ten. Philippe Mello joined Sheffield Wednesday in 2014. <laughs> really. Yeah, twenty-five-year-old Portuguese defensive midfielder, and he he he's eighth on their all-time list, and they only got six hundred thousand for him. <laughs> oh, I, I have no well, idea who the other ones are. Then, um, so number two was Nabil Gilas, oh. the Algerian who joined Porto, Porto for yeah. three point five million, but that was back in twenty thirteen. So that three point five million is, I mean, with inflation, what what are we talking now? Five mil, he something was, like he that. He was a very good player. Uh, I remember Sporting was was trying to to sign him as well. 23 when he moved. Um, And then the third was Emmanuel Boateng, who moved to Levante uh, for 2.6 million. He was a striker, centre forward. I don't even Um, remember him. He moved to Levante. So, lots of transfers to look out for, both coming into Portugal and out of Portugal. Uh, We've still got a couple more days of January to go of the transfer window, so... On our next podcast, I'm sure we'll have a couple more moves to report on. There's been big ones such as Luis Diaz, uh, but nothing concrete has happened there. So not worth speaking about it just yet, but we'll wait to the end of the window, see how things go, and we'll definitely be keeping you updated. Remember to follow Proxima Jornada 1 on Twitter, uh, and that will keep you up to date with everything you need to know about Portuguese football. And also, why not check out our Patreon page? Uh, We've been uploading some content this week on there, including our full list of 22 players under the age of 22 to look out for 2022. So why not get the inside track and be ahead of the curve with your friends, show them some of the players on that list, and maybe educate yourself on some of the players to look out for whenever you're tuning into a Premier League match. 
uh, wherever you are in the world, and I'm sure it'll be the perfect accompaniment to that. Uh, lots of content going on this week and next week also. And also, we'll be running a giveaway soon. More details to come on that soon. The details will be on the Patreon. Um, so looking to give something away for our first couple of months running our Patreon to uh, for our supporters, our loyal supporters. Uh, and um, if you haven't joined, price of a cup of coffee a month to support what we do. So if you enjoy our podcasts, uh, why not give us a month or two? See if it's worth it. If not, you can always cancel. <laughs> what a great but I'm pretty sure that you won't. So I've been Aaron Barton. Philippe, thanks for joining me as usual. Thank you, man. See you next week. See you next week, mate. Bye-bye.